You're listening to the Growth Exponential Podcast. I'm your host, Bradley Carr-Cook. Today, we're joined by Leila Bradovich. She's the Executive Director of the Conflict Resolution Center of Santa Cruz County, whose mission is to offer affordable services in conflict resolution, mediation, and training. Leila, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Really excited to have you here. You're actually the first nonprofit that's focused on conflict resolution, which is so important that we've ever had on the show. So I would love if you could share with us at a high level about what your organization is doing. Sure. Well, thank you for the opportunity to share. So the Conflict Resolution Center of Santa Cruz County, and uh, since uh, this podcast is wide uh, reaching, there are many conflict resolution centers that exist. So saying Santa Cruz County is kind of the important part also. So we are a community mediation center. So we have been around since the 80s, so over 30 years already, providing mediation and conflict resolution services at a very affordable rate. So what this means is that whenever people have a conflict that they cannot or just don't know how to, they just feel stuck and don't know how to move forward from it, and they need to resolve it, they need a little bit of help along the way, they can give us a call. And we train mediators, we work with a lot of volunteer mediators, we have a lot of different programs, and then they'll fall under one of our programs and then we help them get past that stuck point and resolve their conflicts. So some of the programs that we do have are, for example, our community mediation, which is anything from, you know, any sort of a neighbor dispute to the barking dog or parking, or it can be even like family not able to come to resolution over a million different issues. I'm really impressed when I hear some of the reasons why people are calling us. It's really wonderful. Where it can be also restorative justice uh, mediation and dialogues. So we work a lot with the justice-involved youth and the adult population. We offer victim-offender dialogue. So when a person has harmed somebody and then there's a person that that harm has been caused to, we create a space where those two sides can come together and really hear each other out, take accountability for actions, see what needs to be done to repair harm, hear from the person that has been harmed and really try to repair that wrongdoing and create true restoration or healing in the community. Super curious. I have a whole bunch of questions about your organization and how exactly you do what you do, but I'm also very curious about what is your story? Where did you start off that led you to becoming the executive director and so passionate about this mission? And you can take us back as early to childhood fights being mediated by kindergarten teachers. Well, uh, I got one up from that. So it, got, it does go back to childhood. So when I was 13 years old, I'm from Sarajevo, from Bosnia and Herzegovina. So there was out of our perfect life that we had this terrible war and genocide started happening. And so I was forced out of my home, out of my country, and I came to United States as a teenager without my parents, they sent me out. And I came to this country as a refugee on a political asylum. So I integrated in 
high school and it was very difficult because there was just no similarities between the culture and really no similarities so over time you know i saw there's so much conflict just from my own personal life the way that the high school kids are fighting with each other fighting with the society having this discarded group of people that are not being supported and integrated and then also just global and world and political and violent conflict so I always, you know, really wanted to be involved. I didn't know, but no matter what I did, it always directed me in that direction of trying to make a world a better place with less violence and more peace. So I actually finished the Monterey Institute of International Studies where I got my master's degree in international policy and conflict resolution, thinking I'm going to be the UN ambassador and that's my career path, which is what I did for a little while. I worked with the UN and as glad as I am that those organizations exist, I really saw that they move at a little bit slower pace than I have the energy for. So I needed something more faster. And so I came back and with some of my colleagues, we started one nonprofit whose mission was promoting peace through dialogue. And we will go around the world and creating space for those that don't come together to create a space in a forum for them to come together, to live together, to work and study and learn from each other and see. And basically the bring humanity into this face of conflict and find out how much more we have in common than what separates us. Because what we do always is we end up, we create enemies from the people, then we, we create separation. We don't want to know each other. And so the less we know each other, the more stories we can build, the more, the greater enemy we can create all in our mind. And if we actually come together, if we dialogue, if we listen, if we speak with intention, we will find that we can find that resolution however we move forward. So I've always done that. And so naturally from there, I discovered this conflict resolution center in Santa Cruz because I moved here and it was perfect. There was work with youth, there is work with bringing people together that don't come together otherwise. And there was this opportunity for creating community, transformational justice and peace building. That's remarkable. What a journey you've been on. What are some examples of what you saw in Sarajevo and in Bosnia that are really at the forefront of your mind that helped drive your work? It's very, very sad because I was very young, but I also heard stories from my parents and their parents and just community, older people in general, the name of my school was Brotherhood and Unity. And we had songs and we had classes and we had all of this movement that really united us as people of the former Yugoslavia. And we celebrated each other and it was really beautiful and everybody intermarried and that's just the way it was. And then it seemed that overnight, all of a sudden hated each other. Overnight, all of a sudden, people were asking me, well, who are you and who are you and who are you? And creating this separation. Oh, you're Serb, oh, you are Croat, or oh, you're Bosniak, or you're, they relate to religions. And then we create separations. And then, you know, in, during the war where you have brothers, blood brothers from exactly the same parents, finding each other on the front lines and one fighting for one army and the other for the other. And they're facing each other with the guns. and ready to shoot each other and for what 
you cannot be any closer than you are. And we are so easily manipulated into the hatred and separation. And that to me has been like the biggest driving force for my work is because to create more unity, to create the understanding, to see what is it. The majority of us in this world we would prefer to be able to provide for our family, to live in peace, to have the food, to have the shelter, and to be with our family. And so why do we need to all of a sudden say, oh, you're Muslim, you're Jewish, or whatever else, that third thing you are, and say, I don't like you because, as a matter of fact, it's not I don't like you, I want to kill you. I want to make you disappear. It's we're at the point in life where none of us are going anywhere. We're here to stay. They've tried. They've done all of these genocides in all of these different places in the world. And nobody has been 100% exterminated. So obviously that's not going to happen. So what we need to do is find alternative ways other than the destruction, the genocide, the killing, the separation, and test it out and see if that can work. And, and all of that translates, no matter where you are, whether it's in Bosnia, whether it's somewhere else internationally, everywhere internationally is a local community to somebody. So it's the same thing here in Santa Cruz with our work, for example, we've done uh, this past year through a collective effort in Santa Cruz County, we completed these law enforcement community dialogues where we brought together uh, police officers with youth, with community members, with uh, trained facilitators to to really there, there's always this animosity between like the youth especially the youth and the police between the different racial groups and so forth and it's like let's try to create a space where we hear and understand each other and are here to support each other so that we can have a better safer more thriving community it's not just a one-way street if i'm going to tell you how i feel i need to also listen to you when you speak to me as well, so that we can create that understanding. And on top of that, we're looking at like policing, we're looking, we're looking at racial equity, we're doing also now book clubs around uh, white fragility and the white privilege and how does that conversation happen and integrate in all of this. So just all of this work, you know, one of my biggest issues coming to the conflict resolution center is like, oh, I've never done something so such local work as this. But I'm finding, again, like I said, it's the same as it is in the whole world. There's that discrimination, there's racism, there's separation, there's class, but every level that we can separate each other, we do that. How can we unite and create? And, you know, I'm not talking about like utopia and like we all have to be kumbaya and love each other. No, it's okay. I understand that. We can be human with each other. We can understand that we have differences, that we can have difficult conversations without blaming, without killing, without harming each other. Because we can have a discussion that can be more constructive and more involved and more really ultimately with a better outcome than if we just blame and accuse and separate each other. For sure, that makes so much sense. How do you on a day-to-day basis judge your success? And what does success look like? Day-to-day is really when we have mediations and when people are really, really grateful at the end and you know they're able, whether it's a parent and teen and they're able to work at home better, like they've created some sort of a, an agreement of how they're going to cohabit and coexist and live together. If we help people 
resolve any issues really and we see that immediately and then we follow up with them six months or a year later and see if those agreements have held so those are really the day-to-day successes and then uh, you know overall it's really a collective effort i don't think any one person or organization can truly be by themselves to make the change yes it happens with each one of us but it is a collective effort that happens in a community where we all do our part to create a thriving safe community the bigger vision of it can you give some specific examples of the successes that you've seen or stories Yes, sure. For example, we guide people. The victim-offender dialogue is usually my, my favorite. You know, it's very much in normal mediation. You can have like power imbalances. For example, you have a boss and a person that has to report to the boss. They're same in the family dynamic and so forth. So in the mediation, what we do is whenever you have those power imbalances, we create a more of an equal playing field. And then in the restorative justice dialogue, especially in this victim-offender dialogue, it's really not an equal playing field because you have the person that has been harmed sitting in front of the person that has caused the harm to this person. And so those are the most transformative. For example, one time we had a former local politician that came in just as a supporter to the person who has been harmed and was sitting there and talking about the impact of the actions that caused the harm had, not just directly on the person impacted, but on the wider community as a whole. And what happens in these dialogues usually, we don't think things through all the way. We do something, we tag a house, we break a window, we rob somebody, like all of these things that we do without thinking it all the way through. And in these dialogues, you're able to like, it's not easy to face the person in this setting again. It's shameful, it's, it's difficult. It's, you know, you have to take accountability. You have to say, I'm sorry. You don't have to say, but like, that's what happens usually. You say, I'm sorry. Like you see how you, those actions really made an impact on the person, on the community. And when you have those types of dialogues, then we track those because we usually get those through probation. You know, most of those are tracked through like recidivism rates and they are really, really low with victim-offender dialogues. So like once people really are facing their actions, they learn, they definitely learn the lesson and don't repeat the same. And then they'll tell their friends and so forth. It's, it's a ripple effect for sure. It just spreads. It sounds like you're doing so much good for so many people. What are ways that our listeners can get involved or help you accomplish your mission? Well, uh, one of the really exciting uh, projects that we're about to embark on is based on the San Francisco model of neighborhood courts. So we're really developing an alternative to the criminal court system where the people will be held accountable to their own community. So that's uh, the next part of this restorative practices. So we're just engaging in that now. We're, of course, always looking for funding, which you can donate directly through our website, which is crcsantacruz.org. So we always need the funds. We need volunteers. Our volunteers go through rigorous 40-hour mediation training if they're to be mediators. We do a lot of trainings for people in communication skills and mediation skills. So those are all the different ways that people can get involved. We organize events, we organize different circles. So uh, the best is to contact us at info at crc 
santacruz.org or by our phone number, which is 831-475-6117. And again, our website is crcsantacruz.org. That's fantastic. I just love your mission and I know it's bringing a lot of peace in the world. I want to wish you tremendous success in all your worthy endeavors and thank you for being here today. Thank you very much, Bradley. You've been listening to the Growth Exponential Podcast. If you know an executive director or nonprofit professional that you think I should interview, shoot me an email at bradley at growthexponential.org.